you know those people that we were talking about who uh, just won't engage on on anything? It's yeah. like so when you go to talk to those people, you're like. So, uh, looks like looks like rain this week, dude. Oh, I don't, don't want to. I'm just not going to go there. I I'm not going there. I, with I you. don't think we uh-uh. should talk about right. it because don't even say that word, rain. Yeah, <laughs> I will hang up the phone right now. Okay. You ever get the feeling that everything in America is completely fucked up? You know that feeling that the whole country is like one Tuesday. inch away from saying that's it, forget it. Let's see. Thanks, Mr. Uh, now look. Here's a house full of bees. You think the honey badger cares? It doesn't give a shit. Listen, let's get one thing straight. Price is right. Guns don't kill people. I do. <laughs> wow. Thanks for that, Flowing songs with God our Leadership video Wasn't intro. It? Yeah, that was good. I got goosebumps I'm, watching I'm that. putting that at number two, <laughs> right? Just beneath Enya. Just beneath Enya. Yeah, huh? Nothing's dethroned Enya. Wow, that was good. I, I, I've watched that five times and I still was like, wow. wow. That's pretty good. If you people listening could see what we were seeing. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry about that, by the way. <laughs> One day. We'll get there. And do you know who that was? No. That was Mike Patton. Oh, really? Yeah. It was that is uh, what's it called Mondo Kane? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. So that was uh, Mike Patton from everyone knows him from Faith No More. We know him from Mr. Bungle because mm-hmm. Mr. Bungle's from Humboldt County, where we're from. Yeah. And they're kind of the the band that kind of got big from our little weird ass county. Yep. <laughs> Would way up in Northern California. But uh, I believe, if I remember correctly, in Mike Patton, when you and I worked for the same company in San Francisco, he was a client of ours. So yeah, we, we remodeled we did, his kitchen. Yeah, we did a bunch of work on his house. Super cool, cool guy. fucking house, too. Yeah, badass house. He had a house that guy. you could not drive up to. Yeah. Remember, you had to park. You had to drive up to the top of the hill and then walk down, back down the hill a to get to the house. Of, like a hundred stairs. Yeah. And then you'd turn at the, at the stairs and walk back up. Yeah. As I recall. Right. And he would tell you that with groceries, you just fucking carry them. (laughs) (laughs) I believe, if I remember correctly, the whole project that he put together, and the guy has hundreds of projects, but uh, that was, remember, his wife was Italian, and he wanted to write an opera in Italian for his wife. I think that's where that project kind of came from. Oh, really? Yeah. I didn't know that that was what it was from. Yeah. There's a, I saw the live, I wasn't there. I've seen videos of the live performance in Italy and he has an Italian orchestra behind him. It is amazing. It's incredible. Yeah. It's really cool. That whole album I'd highly recommend. Yeah. Uh, He sings deep, deep down in that, which is a great track. Mm -hmm. Um, 
just so cool. Like you can tell it was a, a project, just a passion project, something that he was mm-hmm. just wanting to do. And he fucking delivers those Italian songs so well. Yeah. So great. And you could, there's video of him in that orchestra and you could tell the whole orchestra is so stoked to be doing what they're doing. Yeah. Yeah. It really comes through. Yeah. I think. Yeah. Absolutely. The honesty of that music is 100%. Yeah. You know, we, we talk about that sometimes. Like you can just tell like on some songs and some bands, like they're, they're phoning it in. They just don't really believe in what yeah. they're doing. Yeah. yeah. Not the case. With we the used Mondo to do, uh, we used to do warp tour, which was like a giant punk rock tour every summer. And they bring they bring out like bands, kind of like real big bands that were their heyday was kind of gone. And to see some of those bands, huge, you know, twenty thousand people watching them play, and you can tell they're just like over there. It's like I don't really want to be here. <laughs> so, yeah, but there's like maybe one guy who's like really into getting the band back together. Right. <laughs> <laughs> He's looking just... at everyone else like, come on, <laughs> fucking smile. <laughs> Supposed to be having fun. <laughs> So, uh, dude, we were listening. I've been listening to that. Uh, I don't even know what to call it. That Russian music mm-hmm. in in the truck lately with Junior. Yeah, and he's kind of into it. He keeps he keeps asking me what the names of the songs are, and I can't tell him because right. it's in a, a language that I couldn't even begin to pronounce. Yeah, or understand. Now he's because the way kids' brains work, he's slowly becoming fluent in that language. Yes. <laughs> Totally. He goes, yeah, I can tell this is Russian. Yeah, this is, is this German? No, this is definitely Russian. This is Russian. Yeah. <laughs> and then he, his favorite movie is this movie called Soldier Boy, mm-hmm. which is a Russian movie about this child soldier mm-hmm. who ends up in the Russian military during World War II because his mother and brother are killed in an attack from the Germans. Mm-hmm. And apparently it's a true story. Um, although the the level of propaganda vibes that you get from this movie are just like over the fucking moon. It's like off the charts propaganda. But it's a kind of a good movie. It's a really well-made movie. It's all about this boy becoming kind of adopted by this um, this military company and and actually like the commander legally adopts this kid and he does all these wonderful things in the military or or in this war that they're having Mm -hmm. um, from helping injured soldiers to finding Germans that were hiding in the haystack out and, you know, a few miles away when he's out exploring and they go and they kill the Germans and all this stuff he does. And he apparently gets some medal of honor, which, you know, may or may be true. Um, But I was trying to explain to junior how like, it's not like ideal for children to be soldiers in a war. Yeah. And he's like, why, why do you think it's not good? Like in this, we've been having this conversation forever. I mean, he asked me again today, why is it not good that he's a soldier? This is so funny. You're bringing this up because my boy who's 10 and Top Gun is his favorite movie, both the original and the remake. And then for Halloween, he was Maverick with nice. the fight suit and everything. Yeah. <laughs> oh, nice. Yeah. Everyone, everywhere we went, they knew, like, oh, you're Maverick. And I tell my wife, like... He's like, no, Goose, actually. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> See, you go hold my neck all crooked. Yeah. <laughs> is, uh, I told my wife... He's like, a zombie. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so, God. So. He, you guys fucking missed it. Oh, we blew it. That's, that's who I should have been. We could have gone together. <laughs> 
<laughs> is I, tell, I was telling my wife because he's fully into like military jets and Top Gun. And I was like, yeah, I'm gonna let him have his fun for maybe like one or two more years, and then we're gonna start talking about the military industrial complex and like maybe it's not the greatest thing to be glorifying. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, he's, I don't want to ruin he, it. He's a little too young to really even know what that means, right? Yeah, your boy, I'm talking about. Right, yeah. mine, my boy's five, so. And I, I was exactly the same way yeah. when I was a kid. Couldn't get enough of war and military and army and, you know. He did say the other day he brought up something about war. And I don't, it was a kind of a currentish war. And he brought up, I'm like, well, he goes, was it a bad war? I was like, well, what do you think? He goes, well, it seems like all wars are bad. I was like, yes, mm-hmm. absolutely. Yeah, they get a little glimpse of it every once in a while. A little <laughs> yes. glimmer of <laughs> Of negativity, which is good. <laughs> so we were we were riding around today, and he was asking me, he's like, why why is it not good for, why do you think it's bad for him to go to war? He's like, I want to go to war. I want to be, like, I think it's awesome. Or Yeah, he didn't quite put it that way. He's, he's a little more eloquent than I am. Um, and I was like, uh, well, it's hard for you to understand because movies glorify things and they don't show all the bad things. And this movie is a, you know, more or less propaganda piece for the Russian army. And so they don't show you all of the, a lot of guys go to war and they get um, upset by it and they see a lot of bad things and it kind of, and it really kind of, you know, has an effect on them where when they come back from war, um, it can be hard on them. And then, you know, for children that can be even harder to deal with. And he just goes, no. <laughs> I'm ready to go. <laughs> like, All right, man. Fair well, enough. <laughs> lock and load, Pop. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe you got the right well, stuff. I don't know. I, I was that way as a kid because I saw Platoon. And I was like, used to wish. I wish I was in Vietnam. Yeah. <laughs> and I remember talking to my stepdad about it. <laughs> Who was, was in, in Vietnam. Who was in Vietnam. And he goes, uh, and he's like, okay, let's sit down and talk about this. And he told me about, you know, his experience in Vietnam, which was very, very pleasant compared to a lot of other people. He actually dodged the draft for like a year. Uh-huh. Just hitchhiked around and he finally turned himself in. He's like, yeah. all right, I'll just go. And he just had such an aptitude for mechanics that he was a helicopter mechanic. Uh, so he was able yeah. to stay out of the actual battle. But he goes, right. I, I've seen those firefights. We used to sit in the base and you could just see explosions and fires and bombs going off. And he goes, it's not a place you want to be. No, I'm sure it was no walk in the park for him either. Yeah. Even though he wasn't, you know, right on the front lines. Yeah. So that's why we decided that you're gay. Cause yeah. we don't need to get drafted into the war. Uh, I'm not sure that's going to work uh, these days. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you're gay. Oh, fucking here we go. Front lines, baby. It's <laughs> in front of a camera. Uh, it's funny. You mentioned, War and World War Two, and I was because I've been kind of inching my way through the Gulag Archipelago, and when you know, we talk about World War Two, and I was talking about uh, Jacob and I were kind of going through like some stuff about like the beginnings of the Holocaust and how stuff like that happens, and they were talking about I can't remember I wish I could remember the podcast. There was a great podcast about a guy who was involved who saw the beginnings of the Holocaust in what was that, late, late 1930s Germany. He goes, and as we were saying, I think, what, two episodes ago, it's like these things like a Marxist revolution or bankruptcy, they happen like this, like very slowly and then all of a sudden. Mm-hmm. And I was going through like the very slowly stuff. It's like, 
this guy was saying, okay, it, uh, he goes, well, first we were to report that, they were, that we were Jewish, right, in Germany. I'm like, okay. And then we're going to wear the yellow star. Okay, just so we know. And then um, leaflets started going around like this, this is a Jewish business, this is a Jewish business, this is a Jewish business. And they get like vandalized, right? And, or they, they, they stop getting business and then they start getting vandalized. Eventually, the businesses were shut down. Those people were shipped off just every, every week, Monday through Friday. They came home on the weekends. And then one weekend, they just like never came back. And they're talking when I was like looking at, it and I found like this these articles of like Jewish-owned businesses. I'd like that, to see those leaflets. Yeah, that were being well. You're in luck because this is currently going on in Montreal right now. This article's from yesterday. Jewish-owned businesses in Montreal are being targeted and vandalized with anti-Semitic material. And there are uh, there's a list going around on social media and TikTok of like here's a list of all the Jewish businesses in this area in very progressive Montreal, and they're going around vandalizing those businesses. I heard that. I was like, holy crap, like what year are we in right now? I thought we were anti-Semitic, though. Yeah. No, I think we're, we're, well, okay, so this gets complicated. Okay. We are um, apparently white supremacists and MAGA extremists. Yes. Okay. Even though we're not Trump supporters. No. And uh, both of us are... Families are not white. <laughs> our, our in-laws are not white. Right. <laughs> uh, but anti-Semitism... Being it, agnostic about, about the war that's going on right now makes you... No, 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 no. Anti-Semitism no. puts you on the right side of what's going on right now. As in the correct side? The correct, or the, the, correct, right? no, the correct side. Okay. Yeah. This is complicated. It's, it, it's very, very... Woke politics is almost impossible to follow. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So... Huh. Yeah, just want to bring everyone up to speed so they're on the they stay on that three by five card of acceptable opinion. Maybe we should just pivot to the prediction that you were going <laughs> to give us today. <laughs> Trying to predict the future is a discouraging hazardous occupation because the prophet invariably falls between the two. Futures now, old man. So. As you are about to deal with here in about a week, my mom came into town and (laughs) stayed with us. And I happen to get along with my mom very, very well. She's one of my favorite people. And when I get our one-on-one, we have like really, really good conversations. And she had asked me, I guess my brother had made some comment to her about buying gold that I had, like uh, that referred to a conversation that we had had. So I went, you know, fresh off, you know, a couple episodes ago into, I was like, well, you know, how deep do you want to go? And she just opened up a bottle of wine. I'm like, all right, let's sit down. (laughs) (laughs) Let's do it. So I was like, and I started at the Federal Reserve, the creation of Federal Reserve in 1913. I was like, okay, so here's where things start going south. The creation of the central banking system and the Federal Reserve in 1913. And then things really started going off a cliff in 1971 when we go off the gold standard. And then I'm sure I'm not going to repeat the episode, but I was like, we essentially what I'm getting at is there is we need something, something, it's not gold, but that backs up our currency. If your currency has no value, 
then there's nothing to keep it from completely plummeting. Now, what we talked about on that episode is... I'm currently, yeah, the, sorry, yeah, you're about yeah. to say what I was about to say. Go ahead. I, I'm going to steal your point from yeah, you. Go so it sounds it. like I thought of this. Yeah, that our currency is backed by <laughs> the world, uh, you know, petroleum. The petrodollar. Right. There's no givers there's, and yeah. takers here. It's all, you know, we're all equal. <laughs> <laughs> Pure equality. It's a Marxist dream in this studio. <laughs> and I was like... As it should be. And so the petrodollar is the only thing that's kind of shoring up besides just that we always have, the only other thing we have hanging over all these countries' heads is like, look, we'll we just bomb, bomb, we'll just the, shit bomb the shit out of you. <laughs> and going by our track record, which we got into pattern recognition, like, mm-hmm. yeah, the, most countries are like, they, they will. They definitely will. So, like, yeah. don't fuck around. Yeah. And so we talked about that the, then the BRICS consortium had formed, uh, Brazil, Russia, India, China, South Africa. Now, we talked about you know, the, the population demographics of those countries involved. So the BRICS is kind of an answer to NATO, which is 31 countries. But in the BRICS, we have roughly 3 billion worth of people under under that umbrella. And then NATO, it's like close to like 1 billion, which is almost entirely Western Europe and the U.S. And so the, the scary thing gets to be that in January of 2024, and I have found this like... I did a, I did more research after the podcast than before it because I was just I was spinning in my head after like, we were talking about bricks. Yeah, is the scary thing is for the for us here in the U.S. is that the UAE, Egypt, and Saudi Arabia are looking to join BRICS, and once they do that, like they're basically a line in the sand, no pun intended, and <laughs> they have no reason to stay on the petrodollar at that point. They might go like. We're tired of the bully in the hallway at this point. Like, what do you say? We just, like, if we make this decision now, like, that country will implode. Their dollar will cry. There's nothing left. And so then we talked about, oh, well, that's going to be the impetus. The last thing, the ripcord for the America is going to be, well, we're just going to start bombing the shit out of everyone or getting to World War III. And I think that had to relate what's going on in Ukraine and Russia and Israel being America's 51st state of, you know, it's like the line is being drawn. It's like if they, they are, we, I think we have basically we know or we have accurately predicted like they're going to go off the petrodollar, which would tank our entire country, at least economically. And so that's why we decided to go here. And I told my, my mom this. And I went into the, <clears throat> the, the, the October, was it October 7th with uh, Hamas in Israel, I was like, well, do you know the army stood down for like, you know, seven hours? And, you know, we, we pointed out like a bunch of holes. Like there's a lot of things that are very like 9-11-ly <laughs> that like, <laughs> don't really make that much sense. And yeah. so they come out like, this is Israel's 9-11. We're like, yeah, it is. That, uh, not the way that you think I think <laughs> <yeah>. it is, <laughs> but very much so. And so I wrapped it all up and I'm like, that's pretty much why I think, uh, you know, we're going into World War Three. How about this as a counter? That's point. not even my prediction, by the way. Oh, it's not? <laughs> no. <clears throat> well, all right, do your prediction first in case I pull oh. the rug out from under with my... Okay. Is I think that as with most things, as we talk about, like, we need better PSYOPs and that so many of... I mean, COVID was the best example that we always go to is that these things start on the fringe, right? And then they work their way into, like, I don't know, right-wing media because they are like 
2% more sympathetic to, you know, the Alex Joneses of the world or whatever. Yeah. And it's going to work its way through the mainstream. And then when it gets all the way to the end, to the people that you are pointing the finger out, they provide you with a limited hangout, right? They're like, okay, you guys, um, the virus might've come from a lab. Okay. It's like, we're not going to say it was man-made or we're not going to address the gain of function things, you know what I mean, that, that doctors are pointing out. Right. We'll say like, okay, we'll, we'll at it, least admit that. We'll give you, we'll give you 10% of what's going on. It may have come from a lab. It did come from a lab. It <laughs> may have come from a lab. <laughs> Is I think that we, this will start on kind of the more kind of fringy spots, like the stuff that we address, and it's going to follow that same trajectory. Is that given that, the things that we pointed out about it just there's a lot of I'm not saying this is what happened, but there's a lot of evidence supporting that Israel this was the, the that October seventh was very very false flaggy, right? Mm-hmm. That they kinda let it happen. False flag like football. the most secure border in the world was breached uh, somewhere between fifteen and thirty places by tractors and hang gliders. And the army stood down for seven hours. And we're like, even former IDF soldiers are coming out like, this makes no sense. Like, even if whatsoever. you didn't frame it that way, that they stood down, the army did not. Let's just, I mean, what's the most, what's the most mainstream media way of putting it? The army was not able to respond for seven for hours. seven hours. Yeah, one of the most technologically, militarily advanced countries in the entire world. I mean, we've, we've talked about um, how they uh, are... Anytime any small rodent comes near the fence... Yeah. They say cats would set it off. Yeah, they would like, blow it away. A, a cat would, engage, would trip the sensors and uh, an armed unit would re- respond. Yeah. That's not even... <laughs> <laughs> exactly. That's not my prediction either. We already made the, these predictions. Is I think that we are going to see this come up and more starting in the fringe, and then we're going to start to like hear more and more about it, and then we might get some limited hangout for this. Mm-hmm. Did you know? I think Israel was planning to build a canal called the Ben Gurion Canal that would mm-hmm. connect the Red Sea to the Mediterranean Sea. Wow! And there was only one thing standing in the way of that plan. Because if they had this canal, that means shipping no longer has to go around Africa, which would turn Israel into like a major, major shipping port. It would be on the scale of the Suez Canal in South America. It seems like that would be pretty big. America. Yes. Like long. Yes, very. Like the longest canal. A world shipping port going through Israel. And I always tell people, it's like, wow. more, more than ideology. It's got to be good for business. Like more than ideology, these globalist psychopaths, they care about power and they care about money. Like, that trumps everything else. So I think we're going to start hearing about, like, this canal. More information is going to come out about this canal that was being proposed to go through there. Because the only, the one thing that was standing in the way of this canal was Palestine, Gaza. Right, right in the way of, like, where that canal was going to go through. And there's no way they would, they're not going to come to some kind of agreement to make a shipping port go through their country. Hmm. That's my prediction. We're going to start okay. hearing more and more about this. I like a bold prediction. Yes. That's pretty good. It could be like more long-term. Obviously, they're, uh, they're not, <laughs> not doing infrastructure projects in, the, in that part of the world right now. But I think uh, this is going to start, like I said, start on the fringe, work its way into the right, like people, and then it's going to end up with like a limited hangout. I like it. Yeah. I like it. So that being, the point being is... 
to tie it back into, it was like, looks like, why would Israel let that attack happen, right? Which we don't know for sure that happened, but there are a lot of, there's a lot of evidence saying that like, okay, it's at least a possibility. Mm -hmm. It's like, well, no, because we go back to the Hegelian dialectic. It's like, well, problem, action, solution, reaction, solution. It's like, let them do this thing that just outrages people. Like they, you know, if what we saw is true, it's like some of the most horrendous things you've ever seen. And they're like, yeah. And so then you get, Everyone emotionally fired up, or your Lindsey Graham's just going, like, just nuke the place, turn it into glass. And so everyone goes, like, yeah, yeah, you got it, they're monsters, or whatever. And Hamas, which is only 40,000 people out of a nation of 2 million, and people just like, they're uh, not a nation. Oh, yeah, <laughs> correct, the territory. Um, and then you could get in the arguments of, like, well, out of those 2 million people, how many people support Hamas or whatever? But the point being that everyone is so emotionally charged up there, they're just, like, level the place. You have, like, f- formally rational people just saying, like, just just nuke the place. Do you remember when the Suez Canal was blocked by that ship? Yes. It got turned sideways? Yes. You know, I, I watched a few documentaries on how that happened. The ship just got kind of squirrely. Mm-hmm. And the wind blew. I mean, literally, like, it was on wet pavement, and it just got all sideways and got stuck Yeah, right there. Uh, if there was another way to get from the Red Sea to the uh, Mediterranean, that would be huge. I mean, it's, it's yeah. obvious how important that, right. that could be, yeah. Um, it looks like a long ways, but I'm not sure the geography of this, uh, the river. Yeah, the Ben-Gurion canal project i think we're gonna okay. start hearing Interesting. more about this yeah. i like it dude yeah nice kind of tell you to go outside a little bit good work good yep. work yep yep um all right so i'm gonna play this good morning time to get up and go to work This music gets us uh, de- un- demonetized on YouTube. <laughs> <laughs> Good. That's <laughs> it. Apparently, we're on YouTube, even though we don't have video. We're, we're the worst business people ever. Every time like something bad happens to it, we wear it as like a badge of pride. I know, right? Yeah, you guys got kicked off this. Good. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. It, Print it. Let's frame it. It, it might up. behoove us to be better business people. Yeah. Just saying. <laughs> This show costs a lot of money. Why don't we just do a podcast that's just like we stand with Ukraine, you know, we stand with Israel, you know, or like whatever, whatever we, we stand with Palestine, whatever, like the whichever way the wind is, we'll be a politician. We got to do we'll that, We'll be dude. fucking politicians. Whichever way the wind is blowing, we just say that thing and okay. we get all these listeners. Spring's coming up. April 1st, we're doing that podcast. Let's see if we can actually make it through an hour and a half of doing exactly Straight that. Straight faced. Straight <laughs> faced. We'll call it Support the Current Thing. That'll be the name of the podcast. Wow. What? That challenge accepted. Okay. All right. Um, this is what I've been thinking about lately. Anytime a law gets passed, it is by definition an infringement on liberty. Mm-hmm. Would you agree with that? I did. That's why I reflexively push back against all laws and all taxes. A friend of mine asked me recently about... What about the roads? Yeah, no, he didn't ask me about that. He asked what me, about the schools? <laughs> he asked me about gun control. Mm-hmm. And what do you do? And he's he's wired like we are. He, he believes that uh, 
you know, the second amendment is an absolute right. But if you have someone who is mentally ill and talking about murdering a bunch of people, like should there not be a law Mm -hmm. in place to keep that person from owning a gun? Mm -hmm. And well, there was, they wouldn't enforce it because we've had several (laughs) examples of that. Right. There already are laws in place. Um, in, Similar to that. And he was on our radar. What you see is that nothing happens, but also asking that question is kind of um, hard to, to ask in the current environment because it's almost like asking that question if, if there was a red button that you could push and that would end government as soon as you pushed it, would you push it so fast that it gave you a blister? Mm-hmm. And... My answer is no to that question. Yeah, we've talked about that. Because you just can't pull the rug out from everybody like that. It's like being a lifelong alcoholic. Like, stop drinking right now. You're going to have a seizure and die. Right. Which is a great metaphor for government, by the way. <laughs> why we don't stop drinking. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, that's what I meant. <laughs> uh, so <clears throat> the idea of, um, you know, every law, I think, is an infringement on people's rights by definition. But, you know, we're starting right now from a place of total law uh, tyranny in our in our world. And if you don't think so, like, hopefully I'm about to convince you that I'm right. Um, we are... Rights are so curtailed by all the laws that have been passed to the degree that I think our founding fathers would probably, you know, vomit if they saw the situation that that we've created since they established the Republic that they did. Mm-hmm. Um, so that brings me to this current event. <clears throat> you know who Candy Leitner? No. Is she founded mad. Oh, her, okay. When her daughter, Carrie Leitner was killed by a drunk driver. This is in the eighties, right? 1980. Yeah. And the drunk driver that, killed her daughter was out on bail from a drunk driving arrest Mm -hmm. when he killed her. Yeah. So, you know, it was again on everyone's radar, right? This guy was, you know, a a danger to society and he still ended up, um, getting hammered and running her over, driving home, parking his car in the garage. Didn't say anything to his wife except don't go look at the car in the garage. (laughs) Of course she did. And yeah, you know, the rest is history. Um, so she founded MAD, Mothers Against Drunk Driving, and um, really did a lot of good in the world, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, MAD kind of popularized the idea of a designated driver. Yeah. Which, I mean, what has done more for keeping people from killing themselves or other people on the road than designated drivers? That means go ahead, go get drunk, just make sure someone else is driving you home. Yeah. Right? And it became not like a... Um, a taboo or a, a something to be ashamed of that someone else is driving you home. It's like a DD, you know, like a, that, that idea was pushed hard by mad. And yeah, I, that this one kind of hits a little home for me. And I don't know if you remember this, but our hometown, which we had, it's, it's pretty close to the wild west out there. We had one cop that I think was off duty by midnight. You mm-hmm. worked from like 8 a.m. to midnight or something like right. that. And it's all country roads. I mean, it's about as rural as rural gets. I mean, it's 1,400 people in the entire town. So, you yeah, have all these rednecks that would just get drunk as shit and drive around. You know, we, the, we were, were right on the coast, and so we'd have these giant 
raging parties out of the beach. Everyone gets drunk. Everyone and, drives. And the road to the beach was not as straight. Yes. Even if you're sober, it's a yeah. very tricky road. But we had so many drunk driving deaths when I was in high school that the FBI actually visited our high school. The FBI? Yeah, the FBI. Because they're trying, Really? Yeah, they were going to go after the people that provided the alcohol. What? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, well, we had back to back to back to back. And that's... Like, drunk, driving, drunk driving deaths. That time period mm-hmm. was 1990s, mm-hmm. right? So Early 90s, yeah. Right. Um, yeah, I remember one of the people who killed his, a family member yeah. came and spoke to our... Uh, Back when you could take driver's ed in in school, yeah, he came and spoke to our class. I uh, had the year I took driver's ed was the last year that was uh, available in the high school. Well, I took it in high school. Oh, really? Yeah. Uh, well, you stayed back six years, didn't you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, on my own volition, I actually wasn't attending. <laughs> Just kind of hanging yeah. around. Bill Fails taught it. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> yeah, the FFA, the guy that ran FFA. Yeah. And he's the guy that tried to get me to do, uh, I still regret this this day, because I, in my senior year, decided not to play football. Yeah. Which was a huge deal where we're from. Totally. And he pulled me aside. And he goes, you, you used to wear his glasses like this. So. Right. Mackenzie. See, you're not playing ball this year. I'm like, nah, I'm not. He's like, what are you gonna do? I was like, I was like, I wanted to ride a skateboard and right. play, punk, play in a punk band. He goes, you gotta do something. I was like, yeah. He goes, I got an idea. He's like, why don't you come ride bulls? I was like, really? He's like, yeah. And I was it, just because I have the chaos brain. I'm like, that sounds pretty awesome. But I also back then I had like blue hair and a nose ring and like my, you know, full like early 90s like skate outfit the giant baggy jeans and he goes you come down to the fairgrounds i'll teach you to ride bulls i was like okay and then he pulls his glasses down again he's like now don't show up looking like this <laughs> he's like waving <laughs> his finger up and down he's like get, get some normal jeans <laughs> meaning wranglers <laughs> <laughs> and i never went i fucking regret it to this day yeah of course well, i might be dead you could have died so i'm <laughs> <laughs> glad you didn't <laughs> Not, you know what? We don't know anyone that died, but we do. I don't know if you know, but I know some people that were fucked up by the rodeo. Yeah, up in up in Ferndale. Yeah, and I, my girlfriend at the time was like a state champion barrel racer. Wow, so I was like, oh well, I could like go to the rodeos <laughs> with my girlfriend. Yeah, well, we we grew up in a strange place. We're talking about Mad here, not okay, right. not Mark. Mothers Against Rodeo Clowns. <laughs> this is Mothers Against Drunk Driving. Hey. So, <laughs> Zing, where's the? We need more <laughs> buttons on the soundboard over here. <laughs> um, so my Mad is established. Candy Lightner does a lot of good, in my personal opinion. Um, and Mad grows, becomes a bigger nonprofit organization. Mm. Well, as happens with nonprofit organizations. Candy ends up getting kicked out because she doesn't like the direction Matt is going. Right. Take a guess what direction that is. Full Marxist. No. No. It's an organization that becomes fully sustained by its fundraising. And oh, right. their reputation on like Better Business Bureau and other like rating agencies for uh, nonprofits just plummets. And to this day, they spend... They became an organization, uh, let's see, I have it right here, that earns um, like $40 million a year. Mm-hmm. 66, a third, uh, two-thirds of that gets spent on fundraising. Right. Which, if you think about it, 
you're 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 raising money to spend that money on raising more money. Yeah. Like that is just a obviously corrupt cycle. What a perfect metaphor for government and bureaucracy. Right? It's yeah. just the, the yeah, exactly. Just a bureaucratic mess. And so what do they spend that money on? But you know, they salaries for the people that work there. Yeah. You know, which you're supposed to be nonprofit, but people are getting rich off of it. Um and so um they they find themselves in this situation so they no longer have the the pure spirit that candy brought to it now their their whole purpose for existing is raising money yeah right and so <clears throat> um it's an industrial complex since 1982 drunk driving um fatalities caused by drunk driving has dropped by 40%. All right. So they did do good. But what happens is that this becomes a, an industry and it's not an industry where like if, if you're in the, um, like transmission building Mm -hmm. industry, you make money by building transmissions and the more transmissions you build, the more money you make and the better the, in the industry that you're building them for does the more in, they need your transmissions mm-hmm. and it just becomes this kind of positive feedback loop where, you know, they get longer lasting equipment, more efficient equipment that makes them more money. They have more money. They can spend it on more equipment. They get more transmissions and it's just this awesome, you know, beautiful free market experience that everyone in that industry has. But this is an industry with mad based on stopping something from happening. And so the more success they have, the more they stop the thing that they're fighting against. And so they have less and less things to fight against and their, their market share shrinks and shrinks. I give you the California homeless industrial complex. Every industrial complex is that way. If it's fighting against something else. Right. Um, and it's similar with smoking. I told you earlier, I was going to bring up smoking. Mm. Um, you remember hearing Adam Carolla rail against this idea of secondhand smoke? And he asked yes. a doctor one time, I don't think it was Dr. Drew, I think it was someone else. So you had him on the show. Like, has anyone actually died from secondhand smoke? And the answer is no. They mm-hmm. don't, they can't actually attribute anyone's death to secondhand smoke. That was another thing in that book that I was telling you about mm-hmm. um, Science in an Age of Unreason. Yeah. That I was reading on the trip. Um, they were, he was talking about secondhand smoke. Mm-hmm. This idea of secondhand smoke is scientifically bogus. Mm-hmm. There has never been any studies that showed that secondhand smoke, actual scientific studies with controls and a hypothesis, and you prove, you know, an actual study that shows the secondhand smoke is a thing. Yeah. Right? But with smoking, um, you know, they have to, these industries that are built around and the left is crazy for this because the left gets a lot of their money from nonprofit organizations that donate to their causes, right? Like the American cancer society, which has a two star rating on the charity navigator website. Yeah. They, they have to demonize smoking. And so as they do that, people become more aware of the ill effects of smoking. You and I don't smoke. Mm -hmm. Our our parents may have, but our parents weren't, um, living in a world with all this, um, propaganda about why smoking is bad. Right. And that's not a bad thing. You know, it's good that these organizations originally started out educating people and telling them that smoking was bad for you. But then these 
organizations became an industry and that industry needs something to fight against. Yeah. And so once people stop smoking, well, shit, now what are we going to do? All right. We need to make it so no one, so secondhand smoke is evil. Even though we know it's not, we just need something else to fight against. Yeah. Got to feed the machine. And As so, we always talk about, bureaucracy does two things if, and two things only efficiently. And bureaucracy also to be conflated with government. They can collect money and they grow. And that's it. And they do not go the other direction once they are going in on the right trajectory. Why would they? Yeah. And if government is your source of uh, maybe not funding directly, but your source, your key to funding, then and you're funding, all you have to do is fund the people that are in government in order to have them um, come up with, well, what do they do? What does government do? They pass fucking laws. Yeah. Right? And take your shit. And grow. Which is, passing laws is taking your shit, even if it's... And kill brown people in the rest of the world. <laughs> <laughs> That's so funny. I know. Oh, God. Uh, genocide. Oh, boy. Uh, so, these organizations get in bed with government. They have them pass laws, and all those laws do is curtail our freedoms. Mm-hmm. So, now you can't smoke uh, inside anymore. And even though, even if it's voluntary, you, there cannot be a bar that you can smoke inside of Mm -hmm. in California anyways. And a lot of other States, right? Fucking Ireland has that law. Um, even if people want to, doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. We have to pass this law in order to have something for these organizations, these nonprofit organizations that are funding our campaigns to have something to fight against, so that they can generate fundraising and spend their money on getting us elected. And yeah. that's the cycle that they do over and over again. And like I started this out with, every time a law is passed, the only thing, uh, there, there can't be a law. It's an oxymoron to have a law that increases freedom. There's no such thing as a law that, some, that they pass that gives people more freedom. Every once in a while, a law will be passed that no, passing negates a, an, another law that was passed before. Or it cuts out something that was done before. But no law is just written to give people more freedom. Passing a law to propagate freedom is a complete oxymoron. It's an oxymoron. <laughs> yeah, for sure. We already have that. It's called the Constitution. Mm-hmm. Every single law that's passed since the Constitution has curtailed our freedoms. Yeah. Right? I mean, look at e-cigarettes. Thank God for e-cigarettes. E-cigarettes have probably saved more lives than any technology in the last 20 years because they've gotten people to stop inhaling all of the bad shit that comes from cigarettes. Mm -hmm. All they're inhaling is the nicotine. And nicotine, by all accounts, is not bad for you. Or not that bad for you. I yeah, mean, it's, it's bad all, to be addicted. It's all the other stuff, right? It's bad to be addicted to yeah. caffeine. But yeah, all of the other shit that's in cigarettes is what's what kills you. The nicotine itself is just the thing that gets you addicted to it. Yeah. So it's just like drinking coffee. And, you know, I've done a lot of scientific uh, research on this, so you can take my <laughs> word for it. <laughs> all right, e-cigarettes are good for you. <laughs> that's Hold on, it, wait. It, uh, it, my it, lawyer... No? Okay, no, I can't say that. Uh, <laughs> never mind. Uh, I, I'm not saying they're good for you, right? But look at the good that they have done. And what does the left do? And these... The American Cancer Society and all these nonprofit organizations, they demonize e-cigarettes because they need another evil... To fight. And they have said when e-cigarettes came out, because they they were starting to run out of places to go with cigarettes, right? They yeah. made it so you couldn't smoke within 25 feet of a door. And now they're like, fuck, we don't have a lot of other places to go. Should we make it 50 feet? We could maybe pass a law about making it 50 feet from the door. Yeah. 
e-cigarettes came along and they were like, oh, thank Jesus. We have something else to fight against. These e-cigarettes that all the kids are into and all the people that are quitting smoking, going, we got to go hard in the paint on e-cigarettes. And they have. You yeah. know, you, you look at e-cigarettes now almost like the same as smoking, even though they're a million times safer. No, no, the lawyer says I can't say that either. <laughs> um, I, think, I think there's another smaller but component to what you're saying too. And this is like why as someone who grew up on the left and I tell people like, I don't, I don't really feel like I left the left. The left kind of left me because I'm still anti-war and pro-liberty and pro, you know, <laughs> everything like Free speech. people do, you know, you marry who you want, you do, you do whatever you want as long as it doesn't infringe on someone else. Yeah. And like that became a, you know, now that makes you, a, you know, within the span of 15 years makes you a domestic extremist. So I don't know. You call me whatever you want, but for those, the topic that you brought up, that is kind of interesting because I think there's also a component of just its behavior modification, which is just the most vile like perspectives that someone can have. It's like the the people making these laws is like we we're, we're not care we don't care about this thing. We want control. We want to control what you're doing. Mm-hmm. You need to do what we what you're doing. We don't like, and so there needs to be like a law against it. Me personally, I hate smoking. Like I, I cannot stand it. Like mm-hmm. it's like one of the grossest things in the world to me. Like mm-hmm. I, I can't eat if I can sm- if I can smell it or whatever. And if you ask me, like, should you be able to smoke in bars or restaurants? I'm all absolutely. Like it's up to the business owner. And if if this business goes, we don't allow smoking here. The one next door does. Like I'll just go to the one over here. Like, mm-hmm. but like to make a law, like we don't like this thing. So we're just going to outlaw it. Cause people are like, well, some people don't like smoke. I was like, well, just don't the free market will work that out. Yeah, don't go pe- to that restaurant. But what about man. the people that have to work there? Why would you take a job at a place? <laughs> no, I just said they have to work there. <laughs> I don't know. I don't, gunpoint? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I just heard someone talking about today, the smoking laws affecting, or maybe it's that book uh, affecting <clears throat> pubs in England. These used to be, you know, the word pub comes from public house. It mm-hmm. was places that people went to talk about the news of the day. It's different from a bar. I yes, mean, a bar. similarities, but. Yeah. It's a, a place that generally men go to who, and talk about, but women are, you know, you know, everything's cool nowadays, I guess, you know, women are <laughs> equal and all that. Uh, <laughs> Why'd you roll your eyes when you said that? <laughs> I didn't. <laughs> Babe, I didn't. Um, to talk about issues, you know, to back when you were allowed to talk about issues, people would go to places like that, get a few pints in them and talk about these you know, really important issues of the day. These very kind of <laughs> controversial. Before Trump was elected, we had these places called public houses where you can go there and <laughs> we, have discussions. We had about, these things like, called conversations, <laughs> conversations, and not everyone agreed, and 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 work was done, and you saw what the where the other guy stood, yeah. you know. And do you think social media gives a shit that smoking is outlawed, and so it it decimated the pub business in England? Mm-hmm. Not being able to smoke in a pub meant people just stayed home. Yeah. And then what do they do? They, you know, what, what's the alternative to going to a pub and talking about issues? Oh, it's going dude. on fucking Twitter. Good connection, and Facebook, man. Facebook. Like, yeah. You know, it's bullshit. 
And That's why we need to outlaw smoking while you're on social media. <laughs> it just makes perfect sense. You don't think that's coming? Look, they once this e-cigarette thing you know, runs its course, the anti-smoking lobby, which keeps growing, and all these nonprofits are going to need something else to fight against. Yeah. They're going to come after it eventually, smoking in your own house. Yeah. That's going to be a thing. I've already seen commercials where they're... Uh, doing this stupid fucking animation of you're smoking in your house. The smoke goes oh, out your window upstairs in your apartment building in the window get... of your neighbor's apartment in and into the nose of the fucking baby it's sleeping a, in a crib. It's, it's a baby in the crib. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So going and, back to, and then it gets where you have to watch the sequel. Cause then some Iraqi soldier grabs that baby out of the crib, puts him straight in the oven, <laughs> puts him straight in the oven. <laughs> Uh, and that's how said. the Patriot Act got passed. Yep. <laughs> Stay vigilant. <laughs> okay. Thanks for listening, everybody. <laughs> so back to Mad. Um, Mad started getting running out of fights to fight. Right. I mean, th- they dropped the drinking and driving deaths down to like sixteen hundred a year in the entire United mm-hmm. States, and um, what they they couldn't really get lower than that. Because it's just it's just impossible, right? If somebody wants to get drunk and go kill someone, what are you going to do to stop them? So you can make a law against you're it. You're gonna. <laughs> good point. Um, what they started to do was turn their attention towards alcohol itself, <clears throat> and so they started reducing legal limits. Yeah. It used to be one and a half percent, or no? <laughs> that would be a lot. <laughs> Holy shit! <laughs> Easy there, Robert Downey Jr. <laughs> <laughs> I think it was 0. 0.10. 0.15 and, was the... 0.15. They cut it in half to 0.08. Those no. are rookie numbers. I know. Seriously. Um, I could do my taxes with a 0.15. I literally could. And then they started doing... I did this year. <laughs> <laughs> Still not done. <laughs> and then they started supporting things like checkpoints. Yeah. And that was a big deal for Matt. They wanted to have uh, sobriety checkpoints. Yeah. In places, which I'm sorry, that is Nazi shit. That's that's a clear violation of the Fourth Amendment. Mm-hmm. You can't just stop people and say, "What have you been doing?" Yeah. Let me see your papers. You know, let me let me get your breath. Let me get your blood a blood sample. Yeah, right. Um, you and I can safely oh dude i found this fucking video wait is it the one of that crazy social justice warrior getting pulled over for drunk driving no holy crap dude okay dear should we pause yes (laughs) i gotta find this all right got it right here just got changed around i just moved here like two months ago okay i just got changed around okay oh my god sorry i just have like really bad social anxiety and stuff did i ever tell you about actually seeing a head-on collision no in maryland there was a, a freeway that was divided, uh, so the eastbound and the westbound were separated by politically or like racially. Outside. Yes, no, it was yeah, it was very divided time <laughs> in our okay. country. Uh, so much so that there was like probably twenty yards of forest between the two mm-hmm. lanes. And I was with my ex girlfriend Noel mm-hmm. at the time, and we were heading like east on Highway seventy. Yeah. And I see headlights in the distance and I'm like, okay, 
like the white lights. Like that right. doesn't make sense. Yeah. We're separated by 20 yards. There's the, and by the time my brain does that little quick calculation, that car is like right in front of us. Yeah. But it was in the, there were two lanes and it was in the lane next to us where this minivan was that I just passed. And I saw him kind of slow down. Like he was like, Oh fuck, hit the brakes. And that car fucking Eesh. bam hit that minivan head on. And both people were, you know, airbags went off. Yeah. We, I pulled over, obviously, to, to check on everybody. Both people were alive. But the, the chick, obviously, was fucking hammered drunk. Wow. The one that hit the minivan. Yeah. Yeah. So, it was so gnarly because everything happened, like, in a split second. It was like, are those headlights? Oh, my God. Oh, bam. Jesus. Crazy, dude. Full speed. <laughs> Sorry, just, like, as an indigenous person. Yeah. <laughs> of course. Miss Perry? Am I... Well, I'm non-binary, so... Okay. What do you go by? It's Kai. How can I refer to you tonight? Kai? Kai? Okay. Hey, I'm smelling alcohol. I know. How much have you consumed tonight? Like, probably three drinks. Three drinks? Okay. Judging by driving wrong way on that street? I know. That's the other thing that Well, hang on. Don't about. cut me off. Judging by how you're driving... Street, not freeway. The smell? I need to run you through some tests right now. Okay? That's, That's why good. I have you out of the car. Once well, that's I, the thing that I asked about before. I said, okay, so you're just giving me for my registration. And mm-hmm. you said yes. Yep. And now you're running me for other stuff. Yeah, I'm going to run you through some tests to. to make sure you're safe to drive. Okay? Okay. Stand facing me, please. But I just want you to know that I also have very bad social anxiety. You and, and me both. Okay. Okay? I'm going to be going back and forth with my finger. The thing that should stand out to you about this is that you almost, you can't like, well, we can make fun of this person, but you can't, you, you almost have to like empathize with her. She has been indoctrinated to such like you're drunk driving the wrong way down a street. Like you could have easily, easily killed someone much like the story that you were just talking about. They, no one died, but I mean, people die like that all the time. Oh God. It's kind yeah. of steak. Nuts. And her biggest concern is being misgendered and her social anxiety. She has been conditioned to see the world this way. Like, I, like you're fucked. You're going to jail. I think... And you could have killed someone. And this is your biggest concern. Right I'm now. not sure that's her biggest concern. I think that's her go-to victimhood mentality to try to get her out of the situation. She's, she's kind of trying to retreat to victimhood. Well, that's kind of the same thing, though, if you think about it. Because... This, I'm guessing this cop doesn't buy it, right? She goes, if, if, sound I, like it. if, I, lay, <laughs> if I lay out my, my victim status, then obviously, you know, what I've been taught, what I've been indoctrinated right. with, is that, that, that will get me out of this situation. Yeah. The cop's like, cool. What do you want me to refer to you as? Like, you know, I gotta, I'm trying to do a job here and, and keep you off the road, obviously. No, you and I would go to probably, all right, this guy's a cop. He's probably... Um, He's armed, so I'm gonna start with a leg kick. Yeah, and then going for the double leg. <laughs> we would go with quick jab. I'm gonna run. I'm gonna go with reason, maybe a dash of humor, not too much. Yeah. You know, you gotta <laughs> read the room, yeah. of course. That's right. That's right. <laughs> no, she goes straight victim. Yeah, dude, I forgot to give you the best story from Vegas. Let's hear it. I can't do it. Oh, <laughs> I don't think I, I can. I do it on the podcast. Did you get a prostitute? No. Oh, ah, okay, it's, it's out of place right now. I'm not going to do it. Okay. Remind me after the pod, though. All right. Uh, 
Fuck. Sorry, everybody. I knew something was up because we met for a beer for this. I was like, how's Vegas? You're like, you know, it's Vegas. I'm like, that's it, huh? I was like, oh, you fucking killed someone, I bet. Dude, the victimhood, uh, the level of victimhood that I experienced, that I witnessed was off the charts. Nice. It was, oh, it was terrible. I'm sorry I can't say it uh, for everybody else that's listening because it might hurt the feelings of some friends of mine. And as much of a dick as I am, I still don't want to hurt people's feelings, so... Don't resist. Don't. You're being chance yeah. your back. Uh-oh. Don't, dude. Don't make don't. it hard. Please. Don't make it hard. No, don't. you're You're gonna get a resistance. Dude, What's he doing? I... You're gonna get a resistance. I right? don't. Don't resist. Don't. Listen to me. Don't resist. Don't. You're being Come a here. white man and Come don't. Here. I followed all of your What's he doing? Don't resist. <laughs> Oh, it's just kind of a little feel-good moment. God. With that ATF agent getting tased. Yeah. yeah. But it did well, maybe, I mean, it's just as, I don't know, dumb frat boy humor. Watching that video is, and you crack all the easy jokes, you know. You're being a white man. It's like, but you, she does represent like a mentality that not just she has. Yeah. That I think a lot of people of that age are, and we're seeing that being played out. Let me say this about if she hadn't driven down the wrong way on a one-way street (laughs) drunk (laughs) and was pulled over at a checkpoint or something and was being treated this way, I would say that's fucked up. But, I mean, come on. She obviously was about to kill somebody. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So, uh, Mad, back to Mad, um... There becomes a diminishing return on what MAD does, and they have to start attacking things like alcohol itself, right? Trying to um, get alcohol banned and and keep reducing the the legal limits because they just need something. They literally need something to do. This organization cannot exist if they solve all of the problems that they're after. Right, as we always say, just like the homeless homeless industrial complex, like if we solve homelessness, so every bureaucracy or even nonprofit is given a budget, right? And everyone in that, let's say in that nonprofit is given a, is a, is given a budget, every department, right? And you have, this is what we're tasking you to do. And if your, your task is to solve a problem and you solve that problem, you've just eliminated your job. Exactly. So the way that government bureaucracy works is like, look, we're going to, um, let's say it's not even to solve a problem, but like we're going to put you into this area of infrastructure, right? And we're going to give you a budget of $47 million, right? And you get that job done for $29 million. million. (laughs) You're like, hey, like, man, you killed it. If you were in the private sector, like you would be getting bonus after bonus after bonus. You'd you'd own the company eventually. If you work for government, they go like, oh, well, we're going to give you less money next year. Yeah. And so they have a financial incentive, almost mm-hmm. like a fiduciary responsibility to use up all that money and go like, we need more money. We yeah. need more money. That creates and when a I said we need more hazard. money, our money. Exactly. About. And so the thing that you can do, you can't eliminate drunk driving. You need drunk driving. You need the level that we got it down to or 16... 16- hundred people die every year from drunk driving or 16,000, whatever it is. Um, not to diminish it, people dying, but just, you know, the level that they've gotten into, they need that to kind of maintain exactly where it is. If it gets lower, then people stop caring. 
about it. If it gets higher, it shows that they aren't doing any good. Yeah. So they have to maintain it there. So what do you go after if you can't go after something that actually eliminates drunk driving? Because you could go after a law that said every single car in America has to be outfitted with a breathalyzer. Mm -hmm. That would eliminate drunk driving. I will not eliminate it, but it would definitely you know, make a huge dent in drunk driving and it would get it to the point. It would actually be an effective way to stop drunk driving. It'd still be a violation of everyone's rights, but it would make it so that they didn't have anything to fight anymore. So how the fuck is Nancy Pelosi going to get home? (laughs) (laughs) So I introduced to you the 2026 law that requires oh a kill switch in oh, every yes, car. Yes, yes, yes. You've heard about this. Yes. We've talked about it on the podcast, I think. Yeah, but, so I just, case, but, but the law, like uh, our fringe kind of projection is actually being put into law. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you might think that this law would be called the um, kill switch on every vehicle made in America after 2026 law. Mm-hmm. No. This is in the infrastructure bill that was recently passed. You're going to hit on something. Okay, go for it. So what I'm going to read for you right now. And so the, the reason this is fucked up is because what this law is, is a, it's a kill switch that it's monitors your driving. We've talked about it before. Mm-hmm. And if you're seen to be swerving or driving drunk based on the sensors in the car, or I don't know, maybe it's a camera watching you in your car while you're driving, no. then the car will, yeah, they wouldn't do that. Then the car will shut itself off. Uh-huh. Right. I can't think of a single way that that might go bad. You know, it's funny about or, the law that you're talking about. This is amazing because we always talk about, because I'd get, I'd get into discussions with people and they send me the Snopes, like the fact check, fact check. Yeah. And I go, read the fact check though, because it says fact check, false. And yeah. then here's why it's false. The, comp- the car companies did not call it a kill switch. So they say... That mm-hmm. okay, the California is going to implement a law that would give them power to shut off your vehicle, you know, on their own volition, pretty much. This is the federal government, by the way. Yes, false. And it would say on the bottom, it said like, it's just in case, you know, we think the driving's unsafe or the driver's in danger. I was like, but it will turn the car off. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, All right. So listen to this. So this is Thomas Massey speaking mm-hmm. um, to Congress. And then I'm going to read what he said. I, I tried to find this video, but for some reason it was uh, not on C-SPAN, or at least not easy to find. So I took this actually from Tom Wood's uh, newsletter, which is worth subscribing to if you haven't yet. Yes. All right. Massey says, my amendment, and he introduced this amendment that would stop this bill from, uh, it would eliminate the kill switch part of the infrastructure bill, which obviously this needs to be in the infrastructure bill because shutting people's cars off remotely and monitoring how they drive is clearly a part of infrastructure as much as building a bridge. Right. And he got struck down, right? Yeah, this didn't pass. Yeah. Or his, his amendment to the bill didn't pass. Yeah. My amendment is simple. It will defund the federal mandate that requires all new vehicles after 2026 be equipped with a kill switch that can disable a vehicle if the vehicle has monitored the user's driver's performance and that the vehicle determines that the driver is not performing well. It's so incredible that I have to offer this amendment. It almost sounds like the domain of science fiction, dystopian science fiction, that the federal government would put a kill switch in vehicles that would be the judge, the jury, and the executioner 
on such a fundamental right as the right to travel freely. But here we are. It is a federal law. It is federal law that is mandated. And so I am offering this amendment to defund this mandate. This is the response from Debbie Washerman Schultz. Oh, boy. I rise and... Okay, I'm going to read this the way that it is actually... It must have been said. Like a robot responding... Like a Teddy Ruxman doll responding to what (laughs) Thomas Massey said. I rise in opposition to this amendment. Let me be clear. This is the act that the gentleman is trying to defund does not require auto manufacturers to install kill switches. It does not do that. And we've, as you and I just talked about, it does do it that. It clearly does that. <laughs> yes. Passive drunk driving technology is a vital tool in safeguarding our loved ones and other innocent people on our roads. This new technology offers a lifeline of hope to not only save lives, but to prevent the lifelong emotional toll and gargantuan cost these accidents inflict on families. Deadly drunk driving accidents can echo across generations, but we can seize this opportunity to stop such tragedies. Between 2019 and 2021, Florida saw a 31% increase in drunk driving crashes in Mr. Massey's home state of Kentucky. 190 people were killed in drunk driving crashes in 2021 alone. That was a 26% increase. When we saw these grim statistics, we acted in a bipartisan fashion in Congress. And how often do we see that both Republicans and Democrats supported a halt acquired manufacturer to make this passive technology standard of new vehicles? You just took a year off my life. Okay, Massey again. Drunk driving is a serious problem. That's why 31 states already have a law to implement interlock ignition technology where if you've been convicted of a DUI, that you have to pass this test in order to operate your vehicle. But this federal law that I seek to defund goes far beyond that. And I regret to have to spend some of my time reading the law to the other side of the aisle, but I will do that. This law was passed in a thousand page bill two years ago requires that automobiles can passively monitor the performance of a driver, not the blood alcohol content, but the performance of a driver of a motor vehicle to accurately identify whether that driver may be impaired, not drunk. It says impaired and a prevent and, a, and prevent or limit motor vehicle operation. That's a kill switch. Now the question is, how much time do you have once your dashboard tells you that it doesn't approve of your driving? What if you're a single mother and you're out in bad weather and you're trying to avoid some obstacles, ice perhaps, and you've swerved three times and your dashboard says, swerve one more time and you're going to be pulled over to the side of the road, that you'll have 100 yards to park this vehicle in the middle of nowhere with your children in the back seat? That isn't some fantastical scenario. That is what will happen if this is implemented. And this law, I have... I've read it to you here. Now, maybe you should have read it two years ago when you all voted on that side of the aisle, but it was in a bill that was 1,039 pages long. So I can understand how you don't know what the law has in it, but I've read it to you. Can I, can I ask you something? Uh, I'm just operating off an assumption here, so uh, correct me if I'm wrong. But do, you, do I need to state the obvious of why this bill is being proposed? Please do. Okay. You might. It's it's not about has nothing to do with drunk driving. Right. Has nothing to do with drivers being impaired. Has right. nothing to do with a driver having stroke. Right after his booster, by the way. <laughs> has nothing to do with that. It has to do it's it's the vehicle version it's the transportation transportation version of the C B D C. It's like yeah. it's control. It's Ding. like we just shut your shit off. Yep. Like uh you were at that protest, bam, your car just kinda slows yep. down on the freeway. 
It's central control of your vehicle. Yeah. One of the most important things. Which is also things, why they want to switch everything to electric, because it's going to be easier to have that kill switch. Let's say you don't like what's going on in California anymore, and you decide, you know what? Gavin Newsom is ruining people's lives. I'm going to move to Oklahoma. Or are you? <laughs> Bloop. Sorry. The car doesn't work. Yeah. I mean, are they going to do that? I don't know. Could they do that? It's one hundred percent. They could do that. Somebody has the power to shut your fucking car off while you're while you're driving it. Yeah, and it's mandatory in every vehicle that's ever been built. Mad is totally in support of this. Yeah. Why is Mad in support of this? It's not because it'll stop drunk driving. This no. has no chance of stopping drunk driving. No. Think about it. Really, a car can tell if you're drunk or not without actually doing your blood alcohol content. Yeah. That is never going to work. This is about stopping. This is a way to get kill switches into vehicles. A yeah. kill switch that is centrally controlled. It's You're a, exactly right. It's a CBDC of automobiles. Or it's the same thing as a 15-minute city. I was like, okay. Yeah. I'm like, maybe maybe we're being fringe you know, conspiracy people or not. But if those authoritarian psychopaths existed and this is what they want to do, would this be how they do it? Yeah. Okay. Why do don't put on the handcuffs as we say when you're partying with John Wayne Gacy? Put on these handcuffs. Let's play a trick. No, don't do not put on the handcuffs. Do not do not agree to the 15 minute city, the well, kill switch, the vaccine mandate. Every every authoritarian like template that they put to have complete subjugation and control of you. Say no, like every time. Janice Shakowsky, Democrat from Illinois, disagrees, Matt. What she said was <laughs> more than 10,000 ah, people die every voice. year from drunk driving crashes. <laughs> drunk drivers are seven times more likely to be involved in fatal crashes than a sober person. So you would think that the Republicans would want to do something about it. Democrats have done something about it and said that NHTSA now will have drunk driver protection prevention technology. You know this technology has the potential of saving thousands of lives, and I don't see that you're agreeing that we should be saving those lives. And I would say we should all vote against Drunk Driver Protection Act. And I yield back. That's like nails into my brain. I know. Massey goes on. I mean, Massey's a fucking hero. I'm not going to read what he said, but uh, subscribe to Tom Woods' newsletter and you can read it yourself. But um, it's, it's, it's sad, but, you know... We always say it's logic up against emotion, you know, or it's it's facts up against um, fantasy. Or and the, the, how can you win in that situation? And the, Thomas Massey is fighting the good fight, trying to say, like, look, this is retarded. You guys are actually voting to give away your rights. Yeah. Crickets. Crickets. Yeah. And what we always say, it's one point that we try to drive home to people is like, listen, it's not left versus right. It's sure as shit not Republican versus Democrat. It's tyranny versus freedom. And you can't comply your way out of tyranny. Like, just remember that every time. So all these, all these things, don't let them, don't vote, don't agree with the template for complete tyranny. And that's what these things are. That's what we're talking mm -hmm. about with the 50-minute city and this, a kill switch. Think about that. Like, just envision how that could possibly go wrong or be, you know, can go off the rails somehow. I think we should uh, play the clip of Hochul from New York because it ties in nicely. Like, it, these, these people, unless you're a Thomas Massey or a Ron Paul or a Rand Paul, it, it, there's only four or five uh, 
Congress people out there who are doing the Lord's work and trying to prevent our rights from being taken away from us. The rest of them are voting one day or the next on laws, these laws that are designed to take away your freedom, even if they seem benign, even if they seem helpful, even if it seems like reasonable maybe to have these laws. No, stop encouraging them and electing them to to vote for us, to create these laws. We don't need more laws. We need fewer laws. Vote for people who are going to try to strip the laws off the books, reduce the number of laws that are affecting us. Also, we're very focused on the data we're collecting from surveillance efforts, what's being said on social media platforms. And we have launched an effort to be able to counter some of the negativity and reach out to people when we see hate speech being spoken about on, on online platforms. Our media analysis, our social media analysis unit has ramped up its monitoring of sites to catch incitement to violence, direct threats to others. And all of this is in response to our desire, our strong commitment to ensure that not only do New Yorkers be safe, but they also feel safe. So we are talking about Okay, first of all, did you know there was a such thing as a social media analysis unit? So we have a government entity going to New York, right? In New York. Yeah. I don't know shit about New York. Well, this is where these things start. True. And so that's another thing I need to pay attention to now. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Not to give you more uh, more homework. <laughs> is we're talking about the, pay attention to some the things that she said there. We're talking about passing, like having a federal or a state, for now, uh, surveillance unit so people feel safe to combat hate speech. Yeah. What's hate speech? That's just things that make make me feel bad. What makes you feel bad? This. What about you behind you? (laughs) That guy. This. Let's get everyone together. Everyone put it. Let's put a list. What makes everyone feel bad? Yeah. It's like people any, saying mean things. Yeah, anything and everything. It's a hate speech. Hate speech, okay, this is why I want to drive up. Hate speech is not a thing, right? It's not. Okay, I got I, I to gotta tell you what happened at the, at the okay, tournament good. this weekend. Okay. So our team, which I wasn't playing on, um, the wife was, and uh, that's why we were in Las Vegas over the weekend, which is why this episode's coming out late. Apologies. Uh we played four games, got our asses kicked, three of the four. Mm-hmm. And on the final game of the first day, um, one of the best, one of the better players on the team we were playing was a total fucking, total douchebag. Mm-hmm. Just a dude that deserved to have his ass kicked, in my opinion. Yeah. And one of the guys on our team knocked him over and didn't get a, a, a foul called. And... Um, probably deserved to have a foul, but he yeah. was just tired of his shit and he fucking like just knocked him down. The guy got up and he called him a fucking faggot. <laughs> <laughs> you fucking faggot. Well, some other people on our team heard him say that uh-huh. and <laughs> went to the director of the soccer tournament. And that was, we played three games on the first day and then the next day you play one game and if you win and your record is good enough yeah. you move on to the elimination rounds and right um so the next day we were at our first game which was the only game because we didn't win anything the day before 
we hear someone announces in the group, and I fucking wasn't there to hear it, but my friends told me about it when I got back, that the tournament kicked the guy out of the tournament. For saying that? For calling a dude on <laughs> our team who, Man, we are who is not gay. People. Right. Um, a fucking faggot. Mm-hmm. Right? But because that's hate speech, our team went and complained to the director of the tournament, and the tournament kicked the guy off out of the tournament. That's ridiculous. For a word. I was so pissed. Yeah. I wanted to go find the guy and kind of apologize. Be like, look, you're a douchebag. And I don't like you at all, but I apologize for my team getting you kicked out of this fucking tournament. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I'm with you on that one. Sorry. Go ahead. So think about what Kathy Hochul, Hochul, whatever, that fucking wingbat. Hochul. Uh, Hochul. Yeah. They have, uh, they're monitoring social media because they don't want New Yorkers to feel bad. Mm-hmm. Right, so we're basically this is the beginning of hate speech laws, and then have you been following um, California legislative bill uh, AB eight seventy three? Which one's that? Mm. Surprise, you don't know. Hate speech. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> the legislator finds and declares. I appreciate all the you fun. shaming me um, for my. Lack I will of- go to the director of this podcast <laughs> right now. <laughs> Get your ass shipped home. <laughs> California, number one, California does not have an official media literacy curriculum framework to ensure the teaching of media literacy content to every pupil. Number two, the growing <laughs> ubiquity they don't? Yeah, of new How forms they? of media necessita- necessitates the need for comprehensive media literacy education for all elementary and secondary pupils. Number three, this is the last one. The state of California has a strong interest in ensuring that its pupils are equipped to confront questions about the moral obligations and ethical standards regarding to what appears on social media networks and digital. I can't think of two people more qualified to teach that, by the way, than you and me. (laughs) (laughs) Do do you know what this bill is? Is they are beginning in kindergarten, they're going to teach children Mm -hmm. in public schools how to root out, I'm using my finger quotes here, misinformation, disinformation, <laughs> and malinformation. malinformation. Of course. Yes. Honestly, I can't think of two people more qualified than you and me to teach that. Hell, maybe they're hiring. I don't think it's going to go the way they want it to, but I really do think that we could teach people how to watch the news. <laughs>